0: Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 374 for the week of July 28, 2014. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. This week we have a long show for you, and I apologize if you're hearing some construction noise in the background. The house across the street is being completely renovated, and a little bit of uh, construction noise may come through during the show. I apologize for that. It's totally beyond my control. Anyhow, we have a long show for you. As always, we're going to start with the forecast for the next seven days and the preview of the following week. We'll have a few quick announcements, and then we'll get into the meat of the show, which is our live listener consultation with Heather. She only had one question for me. She said, hey, I'm nearly 38 years old. Why have I not been married yet or been able to keep a relationship together for more than four years? And it may surprise you how deep and rich an answer that we were able to get into by studying her chart. So, if you want to know the astrology behind how one relates and the particular relational factors in her chart, then you may find this an especially juicy live listener consultation. I hope you enjoy it. But as for now, let's begin with the forecast. The decade long Uranus Pluto square gets re triggered again this week as T squares involving both Venus and Mercury peak. Embrace revolutionary transformation of relationships, creativity, thought, and more. Other skylights include a healing grand trine, an intense Mars-Jupiter square, and an edgy Mars-Chiron sesquiquadrate. What's old this week still? We have a waxing moon. We have a number of aspect patterns still in play. There are, good lord, six of them. So rather than detail them explicitly, I'll just say we've got a couple of T-squares... We have a grand trine, two of those actually, a stellium and a Thor's hammer. So there's a lot of uh, energetics already in play, as we've been discussing in prior shows. And we still have three retrograde planets that'll be there for a while going backwards, Pluto, Neptune, and Chiron. So let's move on to our individual days of the week. On Monday, July 28th, we open with Venus opposing Pluto, Venus, 12 Cancer, Pluto, 12 Capricorn proactively embracing the ways in which your relationships can change for the better is a great way to work with this Venus-Pluto opposition. This can also add sizzle to sacred sexuality, empower creativity, and stimulate financial opportunity. With Venus and Cancer, what positive change can you bring to your family interactions? This opposition is part of a Venus-Uranus-Pluto T-square that's going to peak on July 30th. Our other event for Monday is the moon entering Virgo at 11.37 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. It went void on Sunday, so that means virtually all of Monday is progressing under a void-of-course moon. On Tuesday, July 29th, we have one event, Mars sesquiquadrate Chiron. Mars is at 2 Scorpio, Chiron at 17 Pisces. It may be just a minor hard aspect, but a Mars Chiron's sesquiquadrate, which is a 135-degree aspect, three-eighths of the circle, also known as a square, can trigger wounding nonetheless. If you point a finger at the catalyst, be sure to also notice that there are three fingers pointing back at you. What can you do to help heal the deeper wound within you that this event triggered? Uh, I might recommend my healing invocation. Just to your higher self, say the seven words, maximum healing and clearing that serves highest good please. I guess that's nine words, sorry. After you've been uh, triggered by something, relax passively into your breathing and allow that divine energy to come in and help you out. And of course, if you have other tools that work better for dealing with this sort of thing, then by all means, use them. On Wednesday, July 30th, we open with the Sun-Quincunx-Neptune, the Sun-7-Leo, Neptune-7-Pisces. A strong desire for escape, whether through substances or distracting activities, can arise with a Sun-Neptune-Quincunx. That's 150-degree aspect. Martyrdom and aimlessness are other possible challenges. To harness this energy for good... Connect with the profound bliss that only spirit can provide. My core invocation may help you. Uh, The ten-word shortcut for that is just to say to your higher self, maximum light and divine consciousness. That serves highest good please. Then passively breathe and let the light do its thing. And with the sun in creative Leo, be sure to manifest your creative inspirations. The asteroid goddess Vesta transits Scorpio today through October 6th. In general, Vesta represents sacred service to a greater cause. In Scorpio, one of her juicier meanings, sacred sexuality, is emphasized, providing extra support for explorations in this area. Next up, we have a T-square with Venus, Uranus, and Pluto. How much nurturing are you receiving in your relationships, especially with your family members? Revolutionary transformation in how you relate and with whom is supported by a Cancerian Venus-Uranus-Pluto T-square. Paradigm shifts in your creativity and finances are also supported by this aspect pattern, which started on July 26th, peaks today, and ends on August 3rd. And then we have another aspect pattern peaking, a Thor's Hammer. Healing and mentoring receive significant support, as this Thor's Hammer that started on July 24th peaks today, Wednesday, and wraps up on August 4th. With energizing Mars and Jupiter, focusing their energies on the wounded healer Chiron. Don't be surprised if unresolved emotional and psychological issues get triggered, but remember that every triggering is also a healing opportunity, and I have already mentioned to you my healing invocation that may help with that. On Thursday, July 31st, last day of the month, we open with some lunar events. First off, the Moon and Pallas Athena conjoin around 3.15 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. This conjunction can accentuate some of the qualities of Pallas Athena, such as feminine assertiveness and strategic cunning. We have a void Moon happening at 10.48 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. That resolves pretty quickly thereafter as the Moon enters Libra at 12.10 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Moon and Libra is a great time for relating with others, and being creative. Then Mercury enters Leo and he's going to be there, I should say it. Technically, Mercury is a hermaphrodite, neither male nor female. It's going to be present there through August 15th. This supports public speaking, acting, singing, and all flavors of the performance arts. Creative writing and getting your ideas into the spotlight is also supported. On Friday, August 1st, happy August! We open with Venus Square Uranus, Venus 16 Cancer, Uranus 16 Aries. The theme of relationship intensity that started with Monday's Venus-Pluto opposition continues today with Venus Square Uranus. Plutonian change can be slow, but Uranus can strike like a lightning bolt. Let your intuitive flashes guide you in making any revolutionary changes that serve highest good in your relationships, creativity, and finances. This square is part of the Venus-Uranus-Pluto T-square that peaked on Wednesday. Next up, we have a couple of Venus trines. She's not just doing squares and oppositions. Uh, We have Venus trine Saturn and Venus trine Chiron. In both cases, Venus is at 17 Cancer, Saturn is at 17 Scorpio, and Chiron is at 17 Pisces. With all of the stress Venus is under from Pluto and Uranus, it's good to know that other planets are offering their assistance. A Venus-Saturn trine offers foundational support to Venus's core meanings, relationship, creativity, and money. And a Venus-Chiron trine opens the door to healing and mentoring. Next up, Mars-Square-Jupiter. Mars for Scorpio, Jupiter for Leo. The basic meaning of this Mars-Jupiter square is the amplification of sexuality, leadership, warrior spirit, and innovation. With Mars and Scorpio, sacred sexuality, shared resources, occult activities, and investigation are also fired up. Next, a void moon kicks in at 10.59 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and that is followed by a grand trine with Venus, Saturn, and Chiron. Those of you who know your astrology may have noted what he's talking about. Venus trine Saturn and Venus trine Chiron And Saturn and Chiron are in different places. Isn't there a grand trine in there? And yes, there is. Congratulations to those of you who noticed that. Anyhow, the grand trine started on July 25th. It peaks today on Friday, August 1st, and it ends on August 7th. This grand trine's healing energies focus into interpersonal relationships, creativity, and finances. With Venus and Cancer, all of this can be productively focused into family matters. Moving into the weekend, Saturday, August 2nd, we have Mercury conjunct Jupiter, both planets at four degrees Leo. All the meanings of Mercury in Leo that I gave already are powerfully amplified by Mercury's conjunction to Jupiter today. And since that was a couple days ago (laughs) in the forecast, maybe I should mention those again for you. Let's talk about public speaking, acting, singing, all flavors of the performance arts, creative writing, getting your ideas into the spotlight. That's kind of... Mercury in Leo, and that's amplified by the Jupiter conjunction. So, thought and speech can be powerfully energized, but be careful not to talk someone's ear off under this loquacious energy. Next up, Mercury square Mars. Mercury for Leo, Mars for Scorpio. This square also fires up the desire to learn and share information, but it can also trigger verbal conflict. This aspect loves to tell transformative truths with dramatic elocution, but be sure to also consider the feelings of those who are receiving your messages. Also today, here on Saturday, August 2nd, a moon series conjunction that's happening around 8.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. This amplifies series energy, which can include abundance, fertility, mother-daughter relationships, and the theme of release and return. And the moon uh, finishes off that void moon I mentioned earlier as it enters Scorpio at 10.57 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And the moon in Scorpio is uh, uh, that scorpionic energy I have just mentioned a moment ago, which is like going deep into the depths, transformation, death and rebirth, uh, the occult, sacred sexuality, and that flavor of experience. Sunday, August 3rd, we open with a moon Vesta conjunction. Uh, Vesta is about serving a higher cause and potentially about sacred sexuality. That moon Vesta conjunction is around 1.15 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. Then the moon conjoins Mars at around 7.30 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. And that's a great time for sexuality and initiation. And uh, again, if you're for some reason you're in a potentially volatile situation at that time of day, 7.30 Sunday morning Eastern Time, then uh, watch out for volatile people or situations. Our final event of the week is a Sun-Pluto-Quincunx, the Sun at 12 Leo, Pluto at 12 Capricorn. Any tendencies you have toward domineering behavior can be exacerbated with the Leonine Sun-Quincunx-Pluto. But you can also choose to have this aspect support the transformation of your ego into the increasingly compliant tool of spirit. And that ends our forecast for these seven days. Next week we have an abundantly packed astrological week. The week of August 4th, we're going to have an Aquarius full moon, Saturn trine Chiron when two slow guys connect, it's a big deal. Mars trine Neptune, another significant aspect. Mercury makes five aspects. He's going to aspect Neptune, Pluto, Uranus, Chiron, and Saturn. There will be a Sun-Mercury conjunction. The Sun itself will trine Uranus, Quincunx, Chiron, and square Saturn. And we have three asteroid goddesses changing signs. I haven't seen that one before. Ceres enters Scorpio, Juno enters Cancer, and Pallas Athena enters Libra. So I will be here to give you perspective on all that and let you know how you can fine tune these astrological energies so that they work best in your life. I look forward to speaking to you about that next week. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it pop into your inbox every week? How about occasional bonus articles on astrology, healing, spiritual awakening, and more? That's what you'll get with Astro Shaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form near the top of the sidebar. And if you'd like to calculate your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astro Shaman is an authorized dealer for Solar Fire Gold, which can also run on your Mac. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar, and choose SolarFire Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free weekly forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. Here's a few quick announcements. Information on everything that follows is in the What's New section of the homepage of astroshaman.com. On August 1st through 4th, that's this coming weekend, folks. Kimberly Crow and I will be at the Levolution Gathering doing our shamanic awakening process. That's an entire weekend in a national forest camp of very high vibration stuff done with very high vibration folks. Should be awesome, and it's super cheap. I believe it's just $79 for the entire weekend, including food. Try to beat that for a value. So uh, please check out that if you're anywhere near Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, near where it's going to be, and that sounds like a good time to you. Also, I want to start spreading the excitement about the Soul Journeys events that I'll be participating in on August 16 and 17. Uh, Big headline. That has been reduced by over 50%. Uh, It's now just $40 for each day's event. It was more like $99. Uh, They had a radical price reduction. So if you were ruling it out being too expensive, uh, it's not anymore. Uh, so basically on Saturday, August 16th, I'm part of the event Soul Journeys, a journey through the stars. And I'll be doing a two hour shamanic astrology, planetary invocation for harmonious living event as part of that. And then on August 17th, that Sunday, Kimberly Crow and I will guide participants in a two hour shamanic awakening ceremony. And that's part of these soul journeys, a healing experience. Both of these are just a few minutes drive from Asheville, North Carolina. So please check that out. It's very affordable and it should be a spectacular experience. As always, I'm putting up weekly YouTube video forecasts, which now include chart graphics. My Shamanic Awakening meetup now uh, starts at 7.15 till 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. You can join us by conference call if you can't be here in person. And that's always a love offering event. And guess what? That's all the announcements. Got through them fast. Thanks for listening, and next up we will have our Live Listener Consultation. Welcome to our Live Listener Consultation. This week I'm pleased to have on the show, Heather. Heather, thank you so much for being with me on This Week in Astrology.
1: Thank you, Benjamin. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, Oh, my pleasure to have you. So I always begin by confirming that I have the chart data correct. I show that you are the Heather born on September 28, 1976. 7:30 a.m in muncie indiana is that all correct that is correct and for those who don't know muncie is spelled m-u-n-c-i-e and that just to verify i also sometimes give a couple of coordinates to verify the chart i show your chart with libra rising at 15 degrees 32 minutes is that correct
1: that sounds right
0: and a sagittarius moon at 10 degrees 16 minutes
1: that's probably accurate as well. All
0: right, that goes then. And and as, as a technical note, I do use the porphyry house system. So if I say you've got a planet in a certain house and some other system shows it in the next house over, it's not that either of us is wrong. It's just that we're using different house systems, okay? I understand. Okay, so now that we have all our verification out of the way, um, tell me what you would like to talk about today.
1: Um, I am 38. I will be 38 this year, Mm -hmm. and I was wondering if there is anything in my chart that has created it for me not to be uh, wed or married or have a decent long-term relationship with someone past four years.
0: Hmm, okay. All right. Very good question. So let's go in-depth on that. Um, So. Uh, First, let me ask, how conversant are you with the technical side of astrology?
1: Um, I have trouble with aspects. Um, I understand the houses and the planets and the signs and in the houses and um, sort of understanding um, those things. You know, I need to understand the aspects a little bit more. But um, that's about the level I am. Um, Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, so let's dive in, and this is not just gonna be me yammering about the chart, I will be asking you questions, and because the chart is a statement of potential, and you know everything in it can go low side or high side, so I won't know the details of what's expressing high or low until I get that from you, okay? Okay. So when we do a career analysis, I'm sorry, a, a relational analysis, it's good to, um, to begin with the seventh house, and, and let's start there. So, your seventh house, um, let, me, let me begin by noting that you have what I refer to as a flip over chart. And yes. what, what that means is that um, all of the natural signs of the houses are opposite their natural placements. Um, To to illustrate this, this is an astrology alphabet concept where the idea is the, the first house, its very meaning comes from the sign Aries, and the second house, its very meaning comes from the second sign Taurus, and all the way around with Pisces and the 12th house correlating. And in your case, you have Libra on the first house, the opposite energy of Aries, and the second house is Scorpio, the opposite sign of Taurus. So all the way around, every single house has, as its ruling sign, the opposite energy of that house's natural state. Does that make sense?
2: Yes,
0: Okay. correct and, and that's actually a powerful message all by itself It says one of your whole You know, opportunities in this lifetime Is to balance complementary opposites In every field of life To, wow. to, to be able to see both sides Of things and not just, you know Blindly take one side of a, of a position Okay So it's, it's the conscious and skillful Integration of seemingly opposing Energies, but energies which are In fact complementary, does that make sense? It does. Okay. And, uh, and this, this yin-yang is going to be reflected further as we go deeper into our analysis. So, therefore, your seventh house cusp is Aries. And right away, that tells us the seventh house is mainly descriptive of your potential partners, whether they're romantic or platonic, whereas the first house is more descriptive of you individually. First house, you, seventh, the other. That, that goes way back in astrology. So right away, um, one thing I'll be painting for you here, Heather, is a picture of the ideal partner. And this ideal is not just the romantic partner, this hopefully will be descriptive of people who you'll relate with well even in a platonic context. Family, friends, um, business associates, whatever. Okay. So would it be correct that you are drawn to people who are energetic and active and have a strong sense of their masculine energy about them even if they're in female bodies?
1: Yes, usually I I guess that the majority of the men I end out on dates with or have relationships in the past with um, usually are more fiery and um,
0: outgoing and those sort of things. I, I agree. Okay, excellent. So that's one meaning of Aries. Now, an Aries on the seventh house has another way it operates often, which is Aries is the sign of new beginnings. You know, Aries is the energy of initiation of the first thing out of the starting gate. So one thing that I sometimes note in clients who have an Aries 7th house or Mars in the 7th, anything that has that archetypal force about it, in your case, it's Aries on the 7th, is a tendency to begin again in relationship. And that's one, one thing in the chart that might be contributing to you, you know... Restarting a, you know, starting a new relationship instead of just continuing an old one. There's this this impulse to just begin anew instead of um, persevere with what's so already true. there. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's very true. I was a serial dater for a while, so <laughs>
1: um, I definitely see how um, those initial like initial um, uh, parts of a relationship were very exciting, right? And then after a while, I kind of get bored. So
0: exactly. Yeah, and Aries is easily bored. It wants it constantly, it's like Aries is one of the signs that you might associate with attention deficit disorder. I want something new and fresh now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing to be mindful of is my guess is you're also attracted to partners who have strong sex appeal that you just find them sexually attractive. Is that correct?
2: You, yeah, I'm guilty.
0: Okay, and nothing. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just this is an Aries <laughs> thing. Okay. But um, the thing is, you may have someone with whom you have a nice sexual spark and you may enjoy being sexual with them for a while, but that's not enough to maintain a long-term relationship. You know, it's a wonderful component to have in a long-term relationship, but it's not enough unto itself. So right. um, so learning that you've got to look for more than just the sexual spark is one of the uh, the messages, I think, of Aries on the Seventh House. Um, okay. Okay. Now, let me let me move now to the planets in the 7th house before I go to the ruler of the 7th. Um, you only have two objects in the 7th house, Chiron and the south node of the moon. And this is a pretty potent message all by itself. Um, Chiron is the wounded healer. And the south node, one of its things it does is it says, I'm here not only with the gifts that you brought in from your past lives to share, but also with the things you came to work through. And when I see a Chiron South Node conjunction, that says in this field of experience where they're hanging out, there is going to be a lot of old wounds and, and old psychological stuff that hasn't healed yet being stimulated by that house. And in this case, it's the house of your relationships. So my guess is your relationships often will start off with high energy, excitement, lots of sexual buzz, you know, the thrill of newness. But after a while, that person starts to trigger you, and you become uncomfortable with that, and you think, oh God, not another one. I thought this was a keeper, and now they're just <laughs> yeah. pissing me off all the time, and I'm getting triggered, and uh, let's just try another one. Is, is, try that, another one. is that kind yeah. of what happens sometimes? It's so true. Okay, now I'm here, I'm gonna give you a message that you may not initially like, but I want to <laughs> paint it in the rosiest possible tones for you. <laughs> Uh, when you have Chiron in the South Node as the only things in your seventh house, this says that no matter how good the relationship is, that person is going to be triggering you sometime and bringing up the old stuff that needs to be cleared. Okay. Even even the fairy tale relationship where this person has all the qualities you want and and they're just a textbook example of the perfect partner, they're still going to trigger you even if they don't want to. Now. Okay. So let me, let me reality check my theory. If, let's think about the relationships you've had, romantic or platonic, that you've had a while. People who've been in your life a, a long time. Are there any of them that have never triggered you? That have never upset you sometimes and brought up uncomfortable things that you would rather not feel?
1: Um, no, I, I don't, I don't believe so. I think that I, I'm just looking back to the two longer term relationships and, um, one was very tumultuous, and the other was more friends type of easygoing situation, but there was no affection. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm just thinking that he liked to push buttons. And, right. um, yeah, I would say that it, it does happen that, um, that maybe I get picked on a little bit. Is that what you're suggesting? Um,
0: not necessarily. Uh, the person may have no conscious intent to pick on you. But the, the the deeper message I'm giving you here is with Chiron in the South, Node in the Seventh, the wounding, emotion, hopefully only emotion, emotionally and psychologically wounding, I'm hoping that you haven't experienced physical wounding with this scenario. It's possible, but not usual in our society. Um, that, you know, this stuff is designed to trigger stuff so it can clear and be done with, okay? You know, my my overarching belief about being a human being is that we don't come in as a blank slate. We come in with all this karma and unresolved stuff from our past lives, and then we have our childhood where even the best intentioned parents give us psychological wounding of various kinds that we have to work through in our later years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so the, one of the functions of those you're close to, your romantic partners and close friends or anyone you spend a lot of time with who's important in your life, one of the jobs they're doing, whether they mean to or not, is to trigger you and take this this old, heavy, dense energy that's in you, that's weighing you down, that's stopping you from living a more vibrant, joyful life, and to bring it out of hiding, where it's like a dead weight you're not even aware of anymore, and flush it out to the surface where it can be cleared. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now, um, you may have heard, since you're a podcast listener, you may have heard me reference sometimes my healing invocation, which is yes. one tool. On your
2: website?
0: Yeah, that's on my site. Um, so... You know, the healing invocation can be very simply invoked with seven words. Uh, Before I get into this, let me just check in with you and see if you believe there is an aspect of you that is divine consciousness and that there's more to you than just Heather, the human being. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. So that part is much more capable of bringing in healing than Heather is, in my opinion and in my experience. So you would just say maximum healing that serves highest good, please, whenever you get triggered, when you're upset by something, ideally as soon as possible after the triggering happens while the energy is still hot and fresh. And just breathe passively after you say maximum healing that serves highest good, please. And you'll feel like someone turned a shower on and this energy will pour over you like a shower and it will flush away all that energy that it no longer serves your highest good to carry around. And if you are diligent and persistent when you get triggered when you call this healing in then you'll discover those same people who are triggering you are actually doing you a huge favor because they're they're finding those those areas that are ready to go the heavy dense energy that's weighing you down even if you're not conscious of it and clearing it and i promise you every time you do one of these cycles you'll end up clearer and brighter and more divinely conscious than before the trigger happened
1: yeah, I can give
0: it a try. Okay, so I'd recommend that. Um, sadly, what most people in the world do, it seems to me, is they get triggered. And and what are we trying to do in this study? We're trying to ignore it, to anesthetize ourselves, to distract ourselves, to just, you know, t- tune out from that pain as quickly as possible, right? But, you That's, know, yeah. but in That's my great. experience. In my experience, you must do the opposite if you actually want to get rid of it. You need to hit it head on. I just today did a healing session with a client, and we spent two hours where I kept bringing her back to where is the worst pain in your body, whether it's physical or emotional. Put your attention in the dead center of it and stay there. And we did that for like two hours, and we cleared like six major pain zones that were really troubling her when she walked in, and she walked out virtually pain-free, okay? So yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, so so this can be a very powerful tool. So so the message I'm giving you, I wanted to give you not only the concept that even the best of your partnerships, according to this chart, will trigger you sometimes, and, and to view that not as a hassle and something to be avoided, but to be embraced as an opportunity.
1: Yes, I have some examples of when that happens, and... Um, it's not fun going through that no. it seems like an argument um, in a way, mm-hmm. um, but I will uh take your advice, and maybe next time if if I start to get triggered, I can um, sort of change that energy into something more useful
0: right, and again, my life yeah and and i'm I'm gonna be really picky with what you just said, you know, my approach is totally stripped down it's designed. Your ego isn't doing anything. You're not even trying to change the energy. You are simply calling in the reinforcement, your higher self, please clear all of this energy that doesn't serve me. And then you're resting in passive breath awareness. There actually is no thought at all, ideally. There's no concepts even arising. Okay? And you're just resting in the pure feeling of breath or the pure feeling of wherever the pain is and allowing So, it's a very different approach than we usually do because it actually, its whole point is to take the ego out of the equation as much as possible and leave space for the divine to heal it instead. Okay? Now, let me hasten to add while I'm a big fan of these techniques and I've seen them work for a lot of people, I'm not saying these are the best techniques out there. Uh, I've met people that my stuff didn't work for at all. And they found other tools and there are certainly no end of them out there for healing and, and you know spiritual awakening and such and if people find something that works better in this context for dealing with the triggers that come up in a relationship then use whatever works better okay just use something okay the only point I'm trying to drive home here is if you are rejecting potential partners because they trigger you sometimes, then my message is I believe that's always going to happen even in the best scenario. So don't use that as a reason to reject someone and decide they're not suitable partner material. Does that All make right. sense? All okay. right, that's good advice. Now, now, so that that's one possible reason why you haven't been married yet, or been able yes. to carry on. Now, now, let <laughs> me hasten to add: also, I am not saying you should stay with someone who is abusive or cruel.
2: No, okay? oh, no, no. I
0: am not. I mean, that's a potential downside expression of that Chiron. So you you could hook up with some kind of sadist under this energy, right? And I don't recommend mm-hmm. that. So, so you, I definitely be with someone whose conscious intent is to be as loving and supportive as possible. All I'm saying is they're probably going to trigger you anyway, even if they have no conscious desire to do so. Because they are, anyone you partner with is going to be standing in for Chiron and the South Node. And the universe will use them for the function of those points in your chart. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It makes right.
0: perfect sense. All right, so that's, that's a beginning of your answer to your question. Any questions on the ground we've covered so far? No, I'm. it's
1: uh, pretty clear,
0: actually. Okay, good. Well, that's, so what far. I, that's what I strive for. Okay, so let's go beyond this, the house itself. We've talked about Aries on the cusp of the 7th. We've talked about Chiron in the south node in the 7th. Let's go over to the ruler. Um, Mars is the ruling planet of Aries, so if we find Mars and how it's set up, then we'll learn more about how you do relationship. And we find Mars in your first house in the sign of Libra. Okay, um, let me let me give a little overview here. You have four, five things in Libra, which is the Hello. sign, which is the sign of relationship. So Libra is by far the strongest astrological energy in your chart, and the way Libra usually likes to express in people's charts is the desire to relate with others and be in relationship. Would would you say that the desire to relate with others is a very strong and consistent desire for you, Heather?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, I have my introverted side as well, but um, I'm a people person. I deal with people every day, different, you know, many people. And being single is sort of uh, not my, not the state that I would like to be in. I would like to have someone there, you know, with me and going through life with me rather than doing it by myself, although I can be independent when I
0: have to be. Right. Okay. So so let's let's look at that Mars ruling the partner, okay? Mars in Libra. And I'm going to immediately jump to Venus as well, because Venus is in Scorpio and Venus is um very loosely conjunct Mars. I mean they are, you know, about 10 degrees apart, which technically is a little broad for a conjunction, but I'm gonna call them conjunct because they're also in something called mutual reception. And for those who don't know, that means that they are in each other's signs. Um, Mars is the ancient ruler of Scorpio, Venus is the ruler of Libra. It's like the old Reese's Peanut Butter Cup commercial, you got chocolate on my peanut butter, you got peanut butter on my chocolate okay (laughs) so it's like they're 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 powerfully intermingled because they are in each other's signs Uh, a mutual reception can make planets behave as if they're conjunct and in fact given that there's mutual reception with these planets and they're about 10 degrees apart i'm going to call them conjunct because that mutual reception kind of tips the balance for me okay so to have mars and venus the planet of masculine and feminine interrelating so interwoven with each other that additionally reinforces the energy of, you know, relationship. And it brings in another flavor, which is the energy of Scorpio. And let me... Which is intense. Yeah. And and you have this more than one way, okay? Uh, You have Scorpio empowered every way it can be empowered, all three levels of the astrology alphabet. So I'm going to get to that here in short order. So Venus is in Scorpio. Okay, and that and Venus for anyone is the natural relationship planet. That's one of her core meanings. So Venus in Scorpio already tells us if I'm going to relate with something, I want to relate intensively, and I want to have a profound soul connection with you, and not just a surfacey, pleasant kind of relationship. Am I correct that that's? That
2: it's exactly like that.
0: Okay, and, and let me just quickly add the other evidence for that. You also, in Libra, have a Sun-Pluto conjunction. They are less than six degrees apart by conjunction. And Pluto and Scorpio are exactly the same energy in astrology. So a Sun-Pluto conjunction in Libra says, I like to relate intensively and at the deepest possible level. And furthermore, I have Jupiter in your eighth house. The eighth house is the Scorpio-flavored house by nature. Jupiter's nature is to expand and amplify whatever it gets into and to have expansive Jupiter in the eighth house um right. is a powerful signal that the eighth house of of blending with another at the deepest possible level is amplified too. So three different ways we've got a message that you do not want to relate superficially. You want to relate at the deepest possible level of blending and intensity that you can handle. Am I correct about that? That's correct. Okay. Now, has it been your experience that most men are eager to do this? Um. No. Um, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay.
1: No, a lot of them don't understand, and I always, I'm to the point where I say, I want a new age guy so uh-huh. we can understand, you know, so we can relate on a spiritual, you know, spiritually. And uh, I know that stereotype, you know, just to have some things in common, right? Um, with someone that would understand that I don't just want to be friends. I don't right. just want you know, uh, you to come over once in a while. I want like something that it has meaning.
0: Right. So metaphorically, you want to put the lid on the cauldron and bring it to a boil, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so again, most men are not wired that way. Now I, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and I happen to know a lot of guys who are, who want to relate that way too. But in the more general world, they are a bit fewer and farther between, I grant you. But I also believe that for other reasons in your chart, you can call to yourself the exact partner you're looking for with this. But okay. is a lot of the, does it a lot of the situation sometimes where you get a good prospect and you're together for a while and uh, the, the movie from the, that wonderful movie, uh, that, uh, Tom Cruise was in, um, where the line, too much reality for a Friday night came in, where he's the sports. I don't know. He's the sports agent. Oh, Legend. Jerry um, Maguire. Jerry Maguire, amazing movie. Oh, oh. Yeah. So my guess is you you will start a relation with someone and they just can't take the heat. It's too intense, right? right? In other words, that's
1: probably right. I scare. I yeah. scare people. <laughs> so
0: so you you have. I mean, the Sun Pluto conjunction alone would be enough to prove that you have powerful transformational energy. The fact that Mm -hmm. Pluto was also conjunct your ascendant and opposing your descendant, thus throwing transformational energy onto the partner, okay, Mm -hmm. indicates that, you know, being with you is not a lighthearted thing. If they're going to be with you, they're going to be powerfully subjected to the energy of transformation, whether they want it or not. Am I correct? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, I'm aware of the intensity of the Scorpio energy Uh and... You know, I try not to be, uh, you know, blow up their phone. I try not to be obsessive. <laughs> I, you know, hold back some because um, I just want a partner, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I, I am aware of that, and I think that's a good thing about astrology: is that if you if you're aware of what's going on, you can. You know, you know, we have free will, so we can mm-hmm. decide if we'd like to be and use this energy, or just try to, you know, work with it and do our best as we're going along.
0: Okay, and um, let me let me throw out an idea that's coming to me, and the concept that's coming to me is truth in advertising. Um, what if you made clear? I don't know if you're doing any like personal ads or anything like that to try to attract a partner, but. Um, mm. Well, whatever you do, when you meet a guy, say, look, I'm really intense, and I'm only interested in connecting with a guy who is very motivated to do a lot of very powerful personal growth and transformation, and he wants a partner who naturally acts as a catalyst for that.
2: Okay.
0: I can try that. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen anyway, isn't it? Probably. Has that not always been what's happened?
1: Um, that, um, I scare guys away. No, no, no. I'm saying if
0: you, if you enter into a committed partnership, you know, you may, like you say, hold back at first, but over a period of months and then years, your true nature is going to show itself. And that intense transformational energy you carry is going to impinge upon that person. And he's going to be having to deal with that, you know, whether you all want it to be there or not, it's just going to be there because that's how you're wired. Is that right?
1: I know. I think I was trying to let a little out, some at a time. Uh, but you're right. Eventually, they find out.
0: <laughs> okay. So, and, and that's often when the the troubles start coming up, right?
1: Uh, um.
0: Or is that, Well,
1: there, there's other trouble about finding c- compatibility. Okay. Um. There's just uh, There's a. It's a very complex matter to try to find a partner, a life partner.
0: Okay. All right. But my the point is. If you know there's something that's true about you and it's going to have a pr- profound and radical effect on the the partnership, why not put it out there up front and and, yeah, and attract someone i think, you're right.
1: who I think I can i I can adapt to that and yeah. uh, and see what happens next yeah. time that um things are looking positively that going in the right direction then I can I can try
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, and let me let me just, you know, fully expand on the thought a little bit, which is it depends on your motive. If you are if you're only interested in dating, if it's going to lead to a committed partnership, then that would be a good strategy in my opinion. In other words, in my opinion, when you're first connecting with someone, it's better to let them know right up front, here's what you'd be getting into, you know, whether you perceive it as good or bad but this is what I need in a partner, and if you do not meet any of these core criteria, let's have a nice first date and agree not to see each other again. You see what That's I'm saying?
1: That's the mature way of, of handling this issue, yes.
0: Yeah, but it depends. But if if your desire is just to have someone to spend some fun time with, have a few dates, have a nice time together, then that might be a really poor approach. You know, the approach I'm suggesting is, is if you want, if you want to really focus your, your your search for the partner only into qualified prospects, then this would evo- keep you from wasting your time having multiple dates with someone who is not actually a suitable long-term partner.
1: Yes, I'm taking notes right now.
0: <laughs> so that that's just a thought. I'm not telling you that's the way to do it, but that would be a more efficient way to go about a search like this. Since okay. since since we've agreed that is an aspect of you with with the intense transformation. And and I will promise you there are guys out there who are seeking a woman who will catalyze their evolution and their growth. Okay? Yeah. I know lots okay. of them. Yeah. So and and they're wondering and these guys are where are the women who are, you know, intense and transformational? I can't find them anywhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you let it be known that that's what you are and that's what you're seeking, then it's going to be a whole idea to attract that kind of person, is my only point. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So, so I think I've, I've made that point sufficiently well. Okay. Yes,
2: he did.
0: Now, let me point out another thing to, to continue answering your question, why am I not married yet? Um, Venus and Mars, uh, obviously key planets in the relational question. Uh, Venus, When you have planets in mutual reception, we can think of them as swapping places. So, in fact, Mars is at 23, I'll just round to the nearest degree, is at 23 Libra and Venus is at 3 Scorpio. I could think of them reversed. I can think of Venus at 23 Libra and Mars at 3 Scorpio because planets in mutual reception are considered to be a joined body, in a sense, and can be thought of in each other's places. Okay so okay. i can I can think of your relational ruler in Venus's place, which means it's conjunct Uranus, okay, so you have Venus at three Scorpio I've got Uranus at five and a half Scorpio, so they're about oh two and a half degrees apart, okay that's really tight and when I see a relational planet conjunct Uranus, <laughs> then I know that Uranus is not going to tolerate. A relationship for very long, unless it leads to awakening and paradigm shift, and rapid growth. Okay. Yes. So, so my guess is um, sometimes when you're you get to the point where you realize there's not compatibility or there's some, you know, incompat, you know, fundamental incompatibility that arrives, then the relationship can end rather quickly after that. Is that true? Yes. True. Okay, so so be aware of that and and know that Uranus is working on your behalf, saying, okay, let's not waste any more time with this person who's not fundamentally compatible for a long-term partner. Let's clear the deck and open for the next prospect, okay?
1: Yeah. And, and all Unfortunately, my, that happens.
0: Well, I would say fortunately it happens.
1: Yeah, true. But,
0: yeah, because why would you want to waste further time on someone who's not compatible? True. Right, so... And and Venus, you know, and Mars, we think of it over there, conjunct Uranus, also opens the door for you to do a relationship non-conventionally. Uranus says, let's do it weird. Let's do it the way most people don't do it. And the things I'm about to say may not apply to you, okay? But I've seen many clients who have a relational point tied into Uranus who are either gay or bisexual or they prefer open relationship to monogamy. Or in some other way, they are doing relationship in a way that most people don't do it. Those are just two examples I tend to see a lot of with my clientele. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so be aware, your chart actually says there may be something about the way you do partnership that is outside the norm, and that's okay. Okay. So if there is anything that you consider you know, unusual about the way you want to do relationship, that Uranus gives you permission and blessing to do it that way. You know, as long as everyone's highest good is being served. And that's my little moral caveat on that. <laughs> right. That's the way I like it, too. Okay, good. So I wanted, I, I definitely needed to bring that in as well. Another thing that will limit the duration of partnerships that don't serve you is that Venus is conjunct the North Node. And that's uh, about two degrees off conjunction. Uh, the North Node is basically five Scorpio, Venus is three Scorpio. And to have a relational planet conjunct the North Node says you know your relationships are designed to move you toward your destiny and to just very briefly discuss what that is saying just signs only south node taurus to north node in scorpio is saying the the life journey is away from the stagnant status quo that feels comfortable and secure and into the fires of transformation it's saying your your constant wow. one of your big themes in life is to periodically step out of your comfort zone and into change, and you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. Okay? Wow. Mm-hmm. So does that resonate for you?
1: hmm okay, I joy. really don't know um, what to say about it. It sounds good.
0: Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's just plant uh, the seed, and, and that's sufficient for now, okay? But okay. I, And I could, of course, go deeper on that interpretation, but that's, you know, we're we're trying to address a specific topic, and I don't want to go overboard on the one point. We'll return with the conclusion of our live listener consultation. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Far more than you might expect, thanks to the Time Passages natal report. This is by far the best natal computer report I have ever seen. It provides an extraordinary depth of interpretation with a consistently positive tone. A computer report can never replace a human astrologer, but the Time Passages Natal Report will provide you with a wealth of insights into your natal chart. It can also serve as a great introduction to astrology or help anyone understand themselves better. I was amazed at how much I learned about myself from its insightful interpretations. The Time Passages Natal Report also makes a unique and affordable gift for all occasions. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Computer Reports from the drop-down menu. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Order your risk-free Time Passages natal report and find out. I want to continue my formal analysis of Mars as the 7th house ruler. And so far we've talked about the, um, the mutual reception with Venus Um, I will mention that Mars, you know, one reason, you know, that relationship has not been that easy is that Mars aspects are not that easy. Okay. Mars does not have a single trine or sextile to its name in your chart. Okay. It has a number of minor hard aspects Uh, to, to list them. Technically, we've got a semi-square to the moon. We have a semi-sextile to Mercury, there is a quintile to Saturn that's kind of nice, but opposing Chiron, and that repeats that theme of the wounding in partnership to help you shed the heavy energy that doesn't serve you anymore. Um, but uh, but it's a, it's a little, you know, there's not a lot of major challenge, but there is definitely some challenge. So Mars is is, I would say, uncomfortably aspected in the chart, and that's another reason why the relational path has been a little bit rocky for you. Now, I want to be super clear that that doesn't mean you can't have a great wonderful partnership. Okay, that that possibility absolutely does exist if you in my, you know, I'm trying to give you the best description of the high side partner that I can here, okay? And yeah. I will I will summarize Thank that at you. the end again, okay? <laughs> but th- but that's another reason why you maybe haven't been married yet is because the relational path is a little bit rocky. Venus herself you know, her aspects are going to have to be considered, too, because the mutual reception says she's a critical player, too. You know, she, what has she got? Uh, her aspects are a uh, quincunx to Jupiter, opposition to Chiron even tighter. That conjunction to Uranus can be a little destabilizing. Uh, and again, her, her flavor is a little more challenged than flowing overall. Okay? Okay. So both of the key relational planets are, are a little bit... Uh, on a little bit of a rocky path on the aspect grid. So that's another reason why it's been a little bit rocky for you. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I want to be super clear. This is not a prescription that you will never have a great partner. This is just pointing out the reality no. of your challenges so far and why.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't believe that. Yeah, um, no. no yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, always potential there to make the best of everything. So okay. All right, now I want to bring in a couple of more things about your chart that I think are very relevant to your question. Um, The Sun-Pluto conjunction in Libra that I referenced earlier is in your 12th house. And in fact, you also have Mercury in your 12th house. So you have a lot of energy in that house, which is um, on the high side, the 12th house is the house of divine union and the, the house of divinely inspired creativity. Uh, just just out of curiosity am I correct because uh, I, I should mention going I know nothing about you coming into this interview except your question and your chart okay um, mm-hmm. but it looks like you've got a ton of creativity am I correct that you are a very creative person
1: um, i I do have a bachelor degree in fine art okay um, I was in marching band and actually couldn't decide which major I what I wanted to major in in college because of I was uh, in music also. Mm. Um, I think that Saturn in Leo, um, in my chart actually sort of, um, dumbs down my creativity because <laughs> Saturn's so practical and, and, emotion and sort of controls the emotions there. So I, I, I'm not the type of person to have a messy studio and, uh, this sort of thing. Right. So, but yeah, you're right about, um, about my, uh, you know you know art and music and and language and these sort of things it's correct
0: okay and, and just just to balance what you just said about Saturn and Leo um, it is true that Saturn can be a restrictive influence on Leo the performer in the spotlight but Saturn can also be the performer in the spotlight who's very mature and disciplined and responsible and organized and uses their time well okay, okay. so Saturn and Leo can be a tremendous asset for someone who actually is on a creative path and i have seen many examples of that with my clients just just That's to balance right. the perception okay all right so so i just wanted to to give fair shake to libra's other primary meaning which is creative expression and you you can make a choice with all that libra you can say i want to focus on relationship or i can focus on creativity i've had i remember one female client i worked with a while back and you know she had you know her venus was receiving a really super strong aspect and said, wow, what an amazing energy for entering into partnership. She said, I could care less about partnership. I just want to do my art. I do not want a person in my life. I just want to do art. And she was wanting to take her Libra Venus energies exclusively into the creative realm, which is always a choice, by the way. Okay? Mm -hmm. So just be aware that that's an option that everyone has with a strong Venus or Libra influence. Okay? Yeah. But clearly you are, you are desiring a relationship. So let me refocus onto that. The point, the reason I'm bringing out the 12th house, which is the house of inspired creativity on one side, but my favorite use of it is the house of divine union, of becoming one with the divine consciously. Um, you've already mentioned that you are spiritual and I assume you've had some inner experiences of divine connection of some kind. Is that true? Um, I
1: can't think of any at this moment. Um, but it's, yes,
0: that's true. Okay. We're, or even where you've just kind of felt kind of ecstatic or blissful or altered in a meditation or something or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that 12th house makes that really juicy for you. Okay. Um, you also have an, a moon Neptune conjunction that totally supports that as well. So mm-hmm. with a loaded 12th house with a moon Neptune conjunction, um, one thing I've observed very consistently is that when I have a, relational thing that relates to the moon i'm sorry neptune or the 12th house then one step in attracting the ideal partner is to deepen your relationship with your own divine self Mm -hmm. okay because um i've observed in relationship that more often than not like attracts like and the more you raise your own vibration by connecting more consistently with your own divine essence the higher quality partner you're going to attract so I, I. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to belabor that point, but it I, it needed to be mentioned with that loaded twelfth house, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Um, I also want to talk briefly about your Moon Neptune conjunction, because this is another key piece. Everyone I've ever met who's got a strong Moon Neptune connection is an empath. They feel other people's emotions. Is that true of you as well?
1: Um, I don't like to admit it. I do <laughs> um, read articles about what being an empath is like, and um, I haven't really educated myself okay. too much or worked with it. Well, let me, l- well let
0: me ask the question. Yeah, in, in real, thank you. <laughs> do, when another person is feeling a strong emotion, do you feel it too? Um, yeah, okay. I do. Right. So the the one way to think about this is the filter between you and other people is a lot more porous than for most people. And since the moon is emotions and Neptune is that porous filter in this context, that says Mm -hmm. that, you know, you are very sensitive and you feel the vibes around you more than most people do. Has that been your experience?
1: That's true. And I really dislike crowds. And um, if someone leaves a table that I've sat next to, I can tell that there's no one sitting there any Mm -hmm. longer. Right. um, Without looking.
0: Good yeah so, so so basically you've you've got you 've got six sense e s p whatever you want to call it you okay. you have you have sensitivity beyond the five senses where you 're feeling the energies around you from the environment from people, and you can feel what 's going on without needing your five physical senses to know would that be a fair way of putting it
1: yeah maybe yeah, yeah it 's not something I feel very um like I haven't worked with it, but uh-huh. I think it's there. I think I think everyone has that in a way too.
0: Well, everyone has the potential for it, but I've I've really observed and as an astrologer that when I see signatures like this, some people do it much more naturally and easily than others do. Some people are more naturally porous such as you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the reason I brought up the whole empathic thing is is it not true that when you enter into partnership with someone they basically cannot keep secrets from you and they to you energetically are an open book even if they try to maintain psychic privacy
1: it is true um i do have a bit of detective uh in me also but (laughs) there have been instances that i've sort of had a hunch something wasn't right
0: right and and you may not know the facts of the situation but you To to borrow a phrase, you feel the disturbance in the force, do you not? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. So so basically, I would also let your partners know up front that you are very sensitive and that to be with you requires a level of emotional nakedness and psychic openness to you that is going to be there whether the two of you want it to be there or not. Okay. Okay. I think I can do that. So so basically we are we are really narrowing the field of prospects here. We need a guy who doesn't mind being blended with you all the time to a degree and who understands that the kind of intimacy that is going to be there with you is a level of intimacy he may not have experienced before. Okay? I remember uh when I entered into a relationship with Spirit Song years ago, who I was with for 7 years. Um she knew what was going on in me sometimes before I did. She was so sensitive. She was more tuned wow. into me than I was. And it took me some adjusting to get used to that level of psychic nakedness. And the relationship I'm in now with Kimberly is even more so. Okay. And it, it's taken me a while to adjust to having that level of transparency on, on the inner level. Okay. So. Okay. So basically, this is the kind of thing you have the potential for. And so the two criteria that most guys are going to rule out most prospects immediately is their being willingness to have that level of intimacy and nakedness on the inner world, on the emotional level and the psychic level with you and to for them to have an avid desire to grow and evolve and transform, you know, their consciousness, which is kind of a mandate with a chart like you've got. Does that make sense? It does okay, so, so, what I'm saying is let's just be realistic about what your chart says and and again, you are giving me confirmation that these things are true in your experience as well, right? Yes,
2: yeah, so it's making sense,
0: right, so I think we're definitely getting into the heart of why have you not been married yet you haven't you haven't fine tuned your prospects yet you haven't you haven't discovered, okay, I need a guy who is really advanced, who is really conscious, who really wants to grow, who doesn't mind this level of inner intimacy that I have, and who wants that. Okay? Exactly. And so these are things you can put into your law of attraction setup, which is the next point I'm going to cover. (laughs) I'm taking um, notes. (laughs) Okay, good. So um, let me ask you if you're already familiar with the concept of law of attraction.
1: I've been seeing it um, a lot, um, my Facebook feed, um, different articles, but I haven't read any because I dated someone that was into that and it seems very, he could manipulate and get whatever he wanted based on what he, you know, what he's read about the law of attraction.
0: Okay. All right. And it is true. um, You know, it was popularized by the DVD, The Secret, and the subsequent book and follow-ups. And... And they definitely went mass market with that, and their angle was you can have money, you can have relationships, and it was all very materialistic and selfishly focused because they knew that's where they could hit the the mainstream populace. Okay, But um, law of attraction can also be used for the highest good of all concerned. So law of attraction does not have to be selfish and manipulative. Okay, The reason I'm mentioning it in your case is because you have... A very powerful law of attraction signature in your astrology that is especially useful for relationships. Okay, and, and let me explain. Right. Let me explain what we're looking at. You and your chart have a grand trine, and this is now. If anyone is looking at the graphics of this, I, I should have mentioned in the intro to this that I have the chart up of your natal chart, um, and it has Saturn up in the tenth house trining Neptune and the Moon down in the second. And what's not showing on the graphic because my I don't have my chart set up to make aspects to the descendant is they're both making trines to the descendant itself. So I have a grand trine, an equilateral triangle, Saturn in the 10th to Neptune in the moon in the 2nd going to the descendant itself, the 7th house cusp, and then that descendant connecting back to Saturn, making a grand trine. The reason Neptune and Saturn are central to this discussion is that in my experience, these are the law of attraction planets. Neptune in this context says I visualize, I imagine. Saturn says I crystallize and I make it real in 3D. And they are connecting, the grand trine connects them to the descendant, the relationship point. Okay, so what I'm going to suggest to you is use law of attraction in order to tell the universe exactly the kind of partner you want, which is your right as a human being. Every human being has the right to order up from the universe the things they want. Okay? okay? Now, Now, I personally recommend... Now, I have an article... And by the way, I have um, two articles on my website that relate to this. If anyone wants to go to... <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a quick drink of water here. If anybody wants to go to astroshaman.com, in the upper right corner, there is a search box. And if they type the words Law of Attraction they'll see two articles linked. One is the Law of Attraction Made Simple, which is a just Cliff's Notes bare-bones four-point of how to use this. Another one that will come up is an astrological signature for the Law of Attraction, where I describe how Neptune and Saturn are playing this role in Law of Attraction work. Okay? So you are a Law of Attraction natural. Okay? Okay. and And in my opinion, (laughs) just the trine between Saturn and Neptune with the Moon involved And the fact that it aspects also the ascendant, you know, in, you know, not a formal aspect pattern, but a trine and two sextiles, it leads me to believe that, well, let me just, instead of assuming, let me just ask you. Think about the times when you passionately desired something in your life and you kept fantasizing about it and seeing it happening in your head. And when you fantasized, there were strong emotions engaged. When you were doing that kind of thing, did that thing show up more often than not in your life?
1: That happens to me, and I try not to do it because, um, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm I'm familiar with that feeling. Yes. Okay,
0: all right. So guess what? You have been using law of attraction already. You just didn't know it, mm-hmm. because the very definition of law of attraction, the core of it is, I hold the vision specifically about what I want. I just see the wish fulfilled. I hold strong emotions while I hold the vision, and then that's how the universe knows what I want. Precise uh, visualization accompanied by strong emotion is you placing an order for that thing to show up in your life. Whether I believe in it, then yeah,
2: because it's I've, I've seen it happen.
0: Right. Whether it's now again, you can visualize things you want and have them show up, but you. I also say that worry is a sincere prayer for what you do not want. And if you do this with something you're really worried about, if you continue to visualize the negative, that will tend to show up as well. The universe doesn't discriminate between what you perceive as good and bad. All it knows is what are you consistently showing it on the view screen. Okay? Okay. And if you are holding negative thoughts, just use the pivot to each time you notice, oh, I'm holding a negative thought that I really don't want to come true, just flip over to its positive opposite that you do want and do that consistently when you notice there's a powerful vision with a strong emotion popping up in your mind that you'd rather not have manifest. Okay. 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 So, so since, since you, you cannot avoid using law of attraction because you're naturally wired for it and you know it works, I would recommend that you do use it because this enables you to be a conscious participant in your own life. Which is the ego's role and responsibility until you reach full awakening, at which point everything goes to autopilot, okay? Hmm, but that's um, a neat
2: way, yeah, that's neat way to look at it. Yeah,
0: so, so basically you can just take luck of the draw and let your mind wander onto whatever, or you can say, let's do this consciously, and they're, like you do want a partner, right? And, and yes. you want a partner who really suits you, right? Yes. Okay, so my God, you've got a Saturn-Neptune-Moon-Descendant Grand Trine, which is tailor-made for visualizing the ideal partner, I think you'd be silly not to do it. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Now, I can feel the worry in your mind about not wanting to manipulate someone or do anything that's going to be harmful to someone, even if you don't mean it to be. So... The last step in my law of attraction, you know, my my bullet points are point one, write it down in as much detail as possible and print it out, put it in the physical world on paper. Uh, Two, visualize it in great detail, just the wish fulfilled. Three, feel the strong positive emotions as you hold the vision. And four, end with the karma free safety clause, which the, the, the shortest form of it is simply this or something better which is shorthand for this or something better now manifests for the highest good of all concerned. And basically that as long as what you are visualizing, you believe to be in the highest good of all. If that is your belief and you've done your best at the ego level for that, you're now giving your higher part, which has the bigger picture than your ego could ever have, permission to adjust your vision so that it is totally karma free and that only good will come of it for everyone who is involved or affected by what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yes. So that phrase, this or something better, shorthand for, this or something better, now manifest for the highest good of all concerned, guarantees that you can visualize with 100% power and no worries. Because you know if you got any details wrong, it's going to be corrected on the way in. Does that make sense? Very
2: good.
0: Okay. Yes, very good. So does that allay any concerns you've had about law of attraction?
1: That helps. Um... I think that... Uh, I, I took notes. Um, <laughs> I'll probably read the articles that I run into um, and look
0: into some things with free time. And, okay, good. And, but any any questions you know? about what I've covered so far on Law of Attraction? I
2: have no questions.
0: Okay. So basically, you know, one one image I use sometimes is, okay, life is like you're sitting at a table in a restaurant and the waiter comes up and he says, what would you like to eat? Okay. And so many people... Their response to life is kind of like, oh, I don't know, bring me some kind of food, maybe. <laughs> and and they have no idea what they're gonna get because that waiter has no clue what to bring you. Okay, so at that point okay. it becomes kind of luck of the draw. You don't know what you're gonna get. Okay, if you if you're still at the e- if you're still operating as a human ego primarily and you are not fully spiritually awakened yet, again, at which point it all becomes more automatic. Then I believe an optimal life requires holding the visions of what you want and telling the universe precisely what it is that you want. Because then the universe, which is far more malleable than most realize, it's really more like the Star Trek holodeck than the concrete fixed reality most people perceive it to be. Because your reality outside you morphs constantly in response to the thoughts and emotions that you hold. Okay. So you are creating your universe in real time anyway, whether you are conscious of that or not. So my my view is it's better to be a conscious creator. And my whole view of astrology is that the movement of the planets and the setup of planets in your chart shows the particular energetic setup that you chose for this time around in this lifetime. And it shows you the core strengths and challenges you chose as a conscious evolving soul for this particular round of incarnation. And it would be wise to partner consciously with that setup and make the best of it. You know, one, other, one of my sayings is if you're going to be God experiencing human form, if you're going to be a spiritual being having a human experience, why not give God a good time? <laughs> right. Help him out. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, it, you know, or, or whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> that which cannot be verbalized anyway. All right. So, Heather, we've spent nearly an hour on your natal chart, but I want to close by looking at uh, a couple of transits you're having that are just amazing and very, okay. very relevant to our discussion. Um, if, in fact, you've given me the correct birth time and you are born at 7.30 a.m., then your descendant, your Aries descendant is at 15 degrees, 32 minutes, and transit Uranus right now is also in Aries at 16.5 degrees, it's already crossed the descendant once. It's retrograding and will will touch it twice more over the next several months. Okay? okay. Furthermore, Pluto stationed last at about 12 and a half, which puts it in striking distance of a square to the descendant. And it, I'm not sure if it'll exactly square it in 2015. It'll definitely be squaring it in 2016. So my point is that the most powerful astrological signature of the entire decade of the 2010s the uranus pluto square has already begun work on your descendant your relational house okay and okay. and what they what uranus and pluto create together is revolutionary transformation so the the hopeful message i want to give you with this is your status quo to date in this lifetime has been relationships that didn't work out that really didn't fit your needs as a person, right? That's correct. Okay, so I'm here to tell you that you are now having what may well be the most powerful relational transit of your lifetime, and it is a multi-year transit that will probably be going on for about the next four to five years before Pluto's done squaring your descendant, and that this is an unprecedented opportunity to paradigm shift how you do relationship and to give you the kind of partnership you actually desire, okay? Now, now in fact, this actually, this energy of of paradigm shift and revolution will go on for many years beyond that, because the setup of your chart is here we have the descendant at 15 Aries, and across the chart in Libra, eight degrees later, I've got Mars, your descendant ruler. Roughly nine or ten degrees later, I have Venus, the natural ruler of relationship, and because of the mutual reception, an equivalent force of relational with Mars so you know as Pluto continues turning over the square to the seventh house Uranus will be opposing Mars and then getting ready to oppose Venus so it's really a long a many multi-year scenario that we're looking at here with very powerful planets aspecting key relational points are you following? Yes. So it's powerful already with Uranus already on the descendant and will be for many more years so my my suggestion to you, which, of course, you can take or leave, is um, uh, my hope today is that the things I've said about your chart have given you an answer to your question, why have I not yet been married, and and does this answer make sense to you? Does it feel true?
1: Yes. Um, um, you made a lot of valid points about uh, just a number of things in my entire life, basically, and um, I just want to thank you for um, showing me your insights and um, allowing me on the show and um, it's great to hear about um, these things that give me a new view um, as far as maybe a new approach as well okay. and um, maybe I'll learn something along the way and, and that's just that's great with me so thank you a lot Benjamin
0: my pleasure now I'd, I'd like to make sort of my summary statement if that's okay <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Well, first off, don't believe anything I told you, okay? I have, to the best of my ability, done my best to answer your question. But um, I am a fallible human, and I may have got some things wrong. So what I often say to clients is, the things I said that felt intuitively correct, they resonated at a gut level, those are probably correct. If I said something and you say, where the hell did that come from? That feels totally false. I don't relate to that at all. Either I got it wrong, or it's not time for your you know, for that to come alive in you yet. Okay. So, so only take and use the things that feel true to you. Okay. And, and, and test them. Don't just take my word for anything. Okay. But if I have been correct in interpreting your chart, what it allows you to do is, is actually consciously write down, these are the qualities I need in my partner the reason I haven't gotten married yet is I have not yet hooked up with a person who meets the core criteria suggested by my chart that create the optimal partner, okay? And if you then, if you choose to use law of attraction and you make the list of including as many of the insights I shared today that feel true and relevant for you that you actually want and put that in your law of attraction write-up and then include that in your visualization and your law of attraction work, then I believe with the transits you're now having, with strong activation of the descendant by very powerful planets, that you could rather quickly attract a, a partner who would work very well for you. Okay?
1: Yes, I believe that to be true, too.
0: Okay. Um, so, so again, I've I've brought out some certain challenges in the chart, which I believe to be true, and I've tried to give you ways to view those as positive and to work with them in a healthy way. Um, but the chart is full of wonderful opportunity. When you find that, that partner, I'm assuming it's a guy because you keep talking about men, you know, who is you know, primed for transformation and wants a catalyzing partner, who wants someone who is psychically open and can feel what's going on in them, even if they don't verbalize it, you know, the kind of partner who meets those and other criteria, then I think you'll have a lovely setup. Uh, one thing I hasten to add is I talked earlier about Chiron in the seventh house, and the south node, you know, ways that can manifest in an easier way is a partner who has the high side Chiron qualities of the mentor and the healer who embodies those qualities. The south node could be someone you feel instantly familiar with because you, you connected powerfully in a past life and you chose to continue the partnership in this one. So there could be that sense of easy familiarity with him. Okay. So those are other examples of ways that the things I discussed can show on the high side. With with Uranus conjunct Venus, you know, another quality of the partner would be someone who is unique and one of a kind. Someone who receives intuitive flashes easily and acts on them. Someone who is rather humanitarian and wants to do higher service that isn't just benefiting himself. Those, exactly. that's a, That's another quality of Uranus I didn't mention just yet. So I wanted to hasten to fill in those voids as well. So I think... I feel complete with my summary now. And um, are there any last questions or comments you have at all before we finish the session?
1: No, um, I'm, I'm very pleased. Um, I'm glad that I was chosen to um, have my charts. I've never done anything like this before besides tarot cards. And uh, <laughs> um, as I said that, I'm just very pleased. And I thank you for, for your insights. It's, it's been great.
0: Well, it's my, been my great pleasure to work with you, Heather. Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: I offer three main services at Astro Shaman. Astrology, Shamanic Healing, and Awakening Activation. All are equally effective in person or long distance. Choose one or combine two or more services during your session. Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and much more. In awakening activation sessions, I help you immerse into your own awakened state using simple, powerful invocations, then teach you how to refresh it on your own. Shamanic healing can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, or mental issues, and usually results in significantly enhanced divine consciousness. I also offer electional astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. And be sure to check out my free services page, where you can load up on free forecasts, podcasts, invocations, and music. Sliding scale payment is available by request. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month, and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world by phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session, and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com, email info at astroshaman.com, or call 828-338-9852. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. As we wrap up another show, let me remind you about the opportunities to work with me as part of larger events this weekend at Levolution Gathering near Asheville and also in mid-August at the Soul Journeys events near Asheville. And as a reminder, you can learn all about those on the homepage of astroshaman.com. Just check out the What's New section slightly down from the top. If you enjoy This Week in Astrology, please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. You can link to our Facebook page and Twitter feed where I post daily forecasts from thisweekinastrology.com and astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do subscribe through iTunes and help us keep our run going as the number one astrology audio podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2014 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com I look forward to making you a part of this week in astrology. Astrology Here's this week's index. The overview begins at 1 minute 54 seconds. Monday, 249. Tuesday, 337. Wednesday, 435. Thursday, 645. Friday, 745. Saturday, 1007. Sunday, 1158. Next week's transits, 1301. Announcements, 1450. And our part one listener chart, 1655. Thank you so much for listening to this week's in Astrology.